0: Dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the years of the primal form, from the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and thought, and man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin from the heart of an holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, and the man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigour of steam. He harnessed the lightning for fire, he drove the celestial team of man was the Well, 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 good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good whatever it is, whether you are animal, vegetable or mineral, it is Alan Averill and this is Agitators Anonymous. Uh, off the top, please give this a rating if you're on Spotify, If you, well that's if you like it that is, and feel free to subscribe, link, share, all of those things, it helps me out in trying to move the algorithm a little bit in my favour. So. I noticed that on the last podcast I started slow out of the gate. The grey matter wasn't really kicking in and I was sort of repeating myself over and over again. But I'm going to try and be a little bit more concise and not keep using the same words over and over again. Despite the fact that it's very obvious I have less grey matter working in my favour this week than I did last week. So greetings from the prison planet. Greetings from level five of the strictest lockdown as Ireland heads into six more weeks of level five lockdown. Now, I know some of you in other countries are working off colours, are working off other kind of variants on the theme of slavery. But here in Ireland, we have level five. So one could take this as an admission that the previous lockdown did not work because here we are in six months back in the same situation. And I can admit straight off the top that if you don't want to hear about Irish politics, then maybe now is the time to switch off. Or if you're morbidly curious, like slowing down when you go past a, an accident, then keep listening because, you know, it's going to get gory. And I think that over the next few weeks, I'm going to try and handle a few more difficult topics, a few more difficult subjects. Um, It just maybe fits with the mood. It fits with the feeling that's surrounding most things now. There'll be a few heavy metal little anecdotes, but I think I'm going to try and tackle a few things that I must admit I had to wait until I had an audience to tackle. Um, And look, what are you going to cancel me from? You know, cancel me from what? Why I ought to cancel that fella? Well, maybe worry about Your own future, all of our futures, might be more productive. You know what I mean? So, let's take a look at why, well, not why Ireland is in level 5, but just examine what that might mean. All this kind of stuff. I'm just going to ramble through some of the strange and odd things that have been happening over the last couple of days. uh, That some have and some have not got any attention and the reasons why and maybe we'll find some interesting angles maybe we won't we'll see we'll see we'll see so first things first um is this a pandemic anymore or is it a case-demic hmm that's a very good question because certainly in the state the numbers of death and the median age is 84 we had a very strange thing where a bunch of, um, I suppose, independents, concerned citizens, whatever you call it, took out an ad in a local newspaper accusing the government of conspiracy and complacency, more or less. But yet at the same time, the quotes in some of it are rather inarguable. Um, The current age of life expectancy in Ireland is 81 years and the median age of death from COVID is 83. This is a fact. A total of 20 people have died from COVID who are aged under 44. Uh, We have about 1,800 people in total, but if you took away the first month, the numbers are not that great. Now, of course, this advertisement that was taken out was greeted with howls of derision from elements of our media. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk about, is our media here in Ireland. How is it that um, being concerned about liberty and freedom somehow is now an issue of the right or at the very least what the media or sections of the media say is the right which i think is really just a euphemism for people that disagree with me but however this is quite a crazy u-turn really is quite a strange u-turn because no no sooner had this ad come out um basically accusing as i said the governments of the government of complicit complacency and almost conspiracy in it's pursuit of another level five lockdown, which lets uh, to be clear what level five means. It means you've got a bubble of one other household that can visit you. There is no restaurants, no bars, no coffee shops, no art, no comedy, no theater. And we're going to go through those things one by one and tell you what they mean. But I've been getting a barrage of messages from people from all across the world who can't quite believe what's happening here kind of like with the smoking ban. We were the first country to implement the smoking ban, which still isn't really acted upon in Germany, for example, 20 years later. And many people here went, what, us? We're first? How did that happen? But it did happen. And yet, here we are, the strictest lockdown, pretty much in the whole of Europe. Yet, our rates, our death rates, our case rates are not that extreme. I mean, obviously, if you test more, you have more cases. I mean, I acknowledge I'm not a scientist. I I know that. I'm just a singer in a heavy metal band. Um, I don't have experience of working in the health service or in an ICU unit. Yes, I understand that. But one thing that really gets tiresome is that when you do question some of these numbers, the response often is, oh, what, you want to open everything back up and let people die? And you're like, well, no, I didn't say that. It's one of the things that's the most, it's one of the things that's so wrong with modern society, is that instantly when you hold a position or a point of view or make a statement, somebody will jump to the complete opposite in order to prove the point. Um, It's some form of fallacy. But immediately, the furthest outlying, outreaching point of view is obviously what you must want if you don't want one other. And this is not true saying to somebody, hey, uh, those numbers, I need, you know, we need to take a look at them. Oh, you want people to die? You want the most vulnerable in society to, no. I didn't say that. In fact, I don't think anybody really says that or wants that. And it's not the way that I think an adult society should argue, by reaching always for the outlying opinion to validate a point. What is the story with false positives? How many people are actually going to hospital from these cases? Uh, these are generally numbers that are sort of fudged and fumbled over by the mainstream media. But what's really, really strange, as I said, is that this ad came out in the local newspaper. Um, uh, seven, or Sorry, fact. 76 people died from car accidents last year who were aged under 45. You know, you can see the comparisons they're making. It's maybe a false equivalency, but they're talking about... The fact that more people died in the state last year than have died this year. And the fact that the state cares so incredibly uh, profoundly about people's well-being right now, as opposed to any other issue over the last, well, 100 years, is suspicious, maybe at best. Hmm. Anyway, so within, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes, the the normal, let's say, commentators were taking their positions, taking aim, loading their ammunition and getting ready. And with a predictable sort of uh, set to, they decided that this ad was obviously an indication of the far right in Ireland. The far right. Um, fascinating that the mainstream media would more or less accuse people concerned about the terms of a lockdown, which we can almost all unanimously agree. Well, most people... I now agree that the terms are pretty severe and the length of time it's taking, um, you know, another six weeks with no real plan for after that. Now, I'm going to get to other more serious things after this, but most people that I speak to, well, at least most people on the airwaves, on the radio, and underneath the surface are really wondering if the government knows what it's doing. And so, therefore, this page, which was taken out because literally none of the mainstream media are asking those questions of the government. I mean, more people killed themselves last month than died of COVID. As I understand it, that's that's true. Or certainly some of the weeks of last month, it was true. And also the government is keeping its figures on domestic abuse, for example, very keeping those cards very close to its chest as well. The psychological trauma of this lockdown is untold, it's kind of unexamined. It's not something that anybody's really willing to discuss. Um, Direct causation. This is complicated. Nobody wants to discuss those. Nobody wants to discuss domestic abuse. Nobody wants to discuss any of those things. Um, And probably I'll get into trouble for mentioning them. But why shouldn't we be able to talk to talk about them? The fact is that This advertisement was taken out because the mainstream media is neglecting its duty of actually asking serious questions of the media. They have just towed the line almost from the start of this. And so how did it come to pass that being concerned about liberty and freedom, which I think no one is really discussing in our media? um, And I'll go through the terms of how those things have been taken from us. Um, Nobody is discussing this. So yet they take out this ad and immediately the people within the media whose job it should be to consider these terms accuse the people who took out the ad of being from the far right, quote unquote, the far right. It's fascinating to me how this has changed, that if this was the 1980s in old Ireland, and this is something I want to touch on old Ireland, uh, old Dublin, an old Dublin of the mid 80s, which was ravaged by poverty and migration and where people knew what they'd lost. Um, would have raged against these these lockdown measures because they understood where Ireland came from. It was within living memory how poor they were, the oppression by the church, the oppression by state, which was much more much more stringent and socially constraining back then. Um, people knew what they lost. They knew what they had to lose. Now, I think thirty years or 25 years of being suckled at the teat of the Celtic tiger miracle, this economic boom and prosperous period we had in Irish society in the 90s and 2000s, this, on, this incredible period of growth, I, seem, I think it seems to have robbed us of our ability to comprehend these terms anymore because no one is asking these things. I don't see anybody in the media going, um, well, you know, Minister, You guys have taken all of our freedoms and all of our liberties. Do you plan to hand them back as we handed them to you to take care of these things? Because freedom is not the default setting of society. And I think that people have forgotten this in the West. Freedom is not the default setting of society. It's something that needs to be constantly maintained, looked after. It needs curation. It needs... uh, all of these, you know, whatever you want to call it, curious, odd gardening. I said the word curious. All these gardening metaphors I'm using, but it needs attention and care because otherwise it can quickly fall into, well, into where we are now, which is basically no civil liberties or freedoms. And I know it's shocking when you consider where we were a year ago as a society, but, and people don't really realize this, but in Ireland you cannot now actually meet inside to have a coffee, As I joked about it last week, anybody who wants to visit me, we couldn't even get a coffee. Uh, And I got messages from people going, is that true? From Russia to South America to Mexico to... And yeah, it's true. It is true that you cannot meet anywhere. We have no pubs open, no restaurants. There hasn't been a hint of comedy, theatre, gigs. There's no distance gigs. There's apps the state has offered. Absolutely nothing in terms of artistic... Uh, sustenance to the people it's neglected the entire sector they're trying to now control people to within a 5 kilometer radius of where they can um, you know, that they kind of travel outside of I think we're only just a step away from imposing a complete travel ban and isolating the island completely from anybody and yet I don't really see any dissent in the Irish people I don't really see much form of protest. Um, We literally have had every freedom taken from us. We're surviving, not living. As I watched a documentary about the Swedish attitude to this, uh, an epidemiologist from there said, uh, or I think it was a woman from the government up there, said people need to live, not survive, and that's how we need to cope with this. But yet, we are surviving, not living. Um, And there doesn't seem to be any roadmap out of this. Now, as I said, in the next couple of podcasts, I'm going to try and get into some more serious concepts, more serious ideas and discuss them. Now that we have a platform of people, um, a platform, a listenership, so to speak, might have been ill-advised to start talking about some of these things out of the gate. But also the fact that at the beginning of this whole lockdown pandemic, the, how shall we say, some of those ideas weren't quite formed yet. I mean, I was one of those people that a month into this said, oh, this is going on for a long time. There ain't no getting out of this in three or four months. And then, slowly but surely, the velvet glove of slow authoritarianism began to take hold. Now, I'm, a poly- I do apologize that if I sound a little bit on the manic side. um, I am. I am. I don't think I've ever been as mad and sad at the same time at the Irish state as I am now. In all of the years that I've been accused of being non-patriotic a non-nationalistic and not treating our past, our heritage with the romantic dedication that many people felt it desired. But one thing that's been very clear to me throughout this whole period is that the romantic association Irish people have with rebellion is dead and gone. It really is pretty much dead and gone. Our ability to understand the concepts of freedom and liberty which is which are at the heart of the fight for our own independence our own republic a hundred and just over a hundred years ago hundred and four or five years ago are seem to be lost on people whatever that is that was within Irish people that understood how delicate freedom and liberty are seems to be gone now you can call me and over dramatist and you can call me you can say Alan it's just a pandemic and that's it and that's all and just tough it out stop being so selfish and we'll get through this and you know what yeah you might be right but you also might be wrong at the same time both positions could actually be right and someone needs to start talking about liberty and freedom now I understand that somehow liberty itself as a concept has become a trope of the alt-right. How did that happen, that libertarianism became a trope of the alt-right? Now, I understand that in America libertarianism means a slightly different thing than it does in Europe, but liberty, egalité, fraternité, I mean, it's enshrined in uh, how the French view their own state. It's Look at the dictionary definition of what liberty means and then question where we are right now in the state, because this is basically a form of police state, and how did that happen? That Ireland, one of the oldest surviving democracies in Europe, managed to end up in this place. Don't forget, Ireland never had the the jackboot of communism or fascism in the twentieth century. It, it's a, it's our early democratic status and um, persevered throughout the First World War, the Second World War. Um, And it's something that we should be proud of, that we have this single-vote proportional representation, this this complicated uh, democratic system that only, I think, Malta, Cyprus and Canada, maybe New Zealand use, supposedly the most democratic system of all. Complicated. I'm not really going to go into it now, but it's about transferable votes and etc. The point is that we have... We have a democratic system that has a long and proud tradition here that has been up, that we've upheld. Okay, so we could argue that the state handed over um, many of its institutions to the Catholic Church post famine, which is eighteen forty-five to eighteen forty-nine, um, and the Catholic Church had an incredible period of. Um, well, it had an incredible dark, an incredibly dark influence over Irish society throughout the 20th century um, that I'm not really going to get into in this podcast. But in living memory, in the 1980s, people knew, the early 1990s, I would have said, people still understood what oppression meant in terms of the Catholic Church, or even in as much as Ireland being a colonial outpost and being oppressed um, by the English. You know, this is what we fought for hundreds of years for our own independence for. And I use those, I use that we in the romantic sense that Irish people who, after a few pints, will sing a song about it, do use that royal we. A further pun, also intended. Um, and yes, apologies for my manic mannerisms today. <clears throat> but, there's, but I have a lot to say about this. And I'm trying to say an awful lot very quickly and maybe I should slow down and take a breath. Right, there we go. Okay, normal service is not resumed. We have a long-standing tradition, a long-standing democratic tradition. And it frightens me, you know, that Irish people are so, seem to be so profligate and so offhand with not understanding that it could be in peril. That perhaps we are in a stasis of lockdown for the next, for the foreseeable future. And certainly our Taoiseach, which is what we call our Prime Minister, Michel Martin on Friday said there will be no return to normality without a vaccine. And this kind of just slipped out. Nobody in the media really took it to task, really mulled over what that meant, really thought about the implications there. No return to normality without a vaccine. I've received 10, 20, 30 Links to people of, from people over the last few months going, look, a vaccine's close. No vaccine. Look, a vaccine's close. No vaccine. And doesn't a vaccine have to have a long trial period? This is what I thought. Certainly not a couple of months, as all of these stories seem to indicate. I would have thought that the normal trial period for a vaccine is a is several years long, or am I wrong? It's harder than people assume. I talk to some people in the pharmaceutical industry or the health industry who are adamant it's coming within the next few months, and other people who say, this might not happen at all. And what if it doesn't happen at all? Do we just never return to normality? Is that what happens? There is no normality. We're just in a permanent state of lockdown. We move from one to five And every time our health overlords recommend a five, we go to a four, and society goes, oh, at least we didn't go into five again. But we never get back to zero. We never get back to normal. Or is the implication there's no normality for you without a vaccine? For you, if you refuse the vaccine, well, then you might as well be stepping outside of society. You're going to be outside the cordon, the digital cordon, with which all of our interactions are being created within. And that also has terrifying implications. Now, one of the things I've realized throughout all of this is that most people don't care. I think, I sadly think, now I'm hoping my instincts on this are amplified by my own sense of outrage. My own sense of isolation, my own sense of being, as I said, equally parts mad and sad at what's happening now. I hope they are amplified by that situation and not as dark as I think they are. I'm open to admitting that the terms of the situation we are in have been manipulating my own emotional reactions to these things as somebody who is not the most emotional human being on the face of the planet. But one thing that's been quite profound, is that to many people, it seems to me, they're not really that bothered about freedom or liberty. They get to get up a bit later. They don't have their commute. They pad around their house in their pajamas. Watch a bit of Netflix. Do a bit of work. Pad around a bit more. Maybe go to the shop. queue. Green light in. Red light. Stay out. Tell me that's not Social conditioning. Anyway, eat their dinner. eh, You play with the kids. Maybe play a few computer games. Whatever. Well, the kids if they have kids or whatever. Uh, Watch TV, Netflix, binge on something or other. Weekend comes around, glass of wine with whoever. And they don't. And that's it. They're not really that bothered. They didn't really like their work before this. And considerations of freedom and liberty are almost a bit tiresome to think about. And I've got that eye rolling from people when they realize that I'm about to start into one of my discussions about this. So oh, I'm all oh, right. I'm giving out. You're giving out again. Oh, uh, And I go, yeah, I am. A, I am about to give out again. So, you know, feel free to tune me out if you want to, uh, which I also understand that instinct as well. Uh, maybe some of you have already. Um, And I realized that, oh, you're just happy to pad around in your pajamas all day and yeah, yeah, who cares, really? Now, when it may come to not taking that two week holiday in the summer that you've been working towards, it might be a little bit different, but I have this terrible feeling that our feelings of liberty and freedom, which previous generations understood by virtue of our history, by virtue of a grasp of history, that maybe was more profound, um, that that has slipped away. The people kind of don't really care. Or at least they're too fatigued, too numb, too tired. As witnessed by, as I told you before in a previous podcast, the very odd circumstances of of the couple of hundred people fighting in the street who look to me to be the same kind of people who... You would have loved to have sat down and gone, OK, can you see we have a common aim, a common thread running through these arguments? And again, it's, of course, the polarization of I disagree with you, therefore you're a Nazi, etc., etc., etc. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, No real nuance or political considerations to the debate. But the implications of what Michal Martin, our Taoiseach, said, picking back up my train of thought, are to me very scary they're one of the things that tipped this podcast into the red that tipped my brain into the red that tipped my comprehension of where we are into some other place now i've previously said on the podcast that never put down to malice what you can to incompetence and i do for the most part believe that but if malice incompetence and if they amount to the same thing for you as a citizen then what matter what matter a zebra, a horse, same species, right? That's a rather clumsy metaphor, but you understand what I'm trying to get at. And so, therefore, to my mind, right now, sitting here, um, this is where we're going to be back and forwards for the next couple of years. Now, I'm I'm really happy to be wrong, and I've been tearing the strips off mem tearing strips off members of my family, arguing. With anybody within a blast radius who would listen, I was arguing about it. And I understand I've become that bummer of a friend where everybody goes, oh, no, really? Well, not anymore. Like, here he comes because we're not going anywhere to meet. We're not allowed to meet each other, by the way. Just in case you're sitting inside in a bar somehow with a pint listening to me talk while waiting for somebody to arrive in another country. We are not allowed to do that. Um, So... This somehow rang rusted old alarm bells within my grey matter. And it made me think um, of this strange attitude that's prevailing in our media. A kind of, I will be grand for Christmas, aim towards Christmas, kind of really parochial, small minded Irish attitude, which is just thinking of the, thinking of the roast dinner and the family round the table and blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's only October. Um, and this very parochial, small-minded, inward-looking island nation view of just throwing six, eight weeks at this problem with no real roadmap, no real understanding of some of the science. Um, nobody's really asking some of the questions I'd like to be asked of this of this plan. Is it a plan? Hmm. When does a plan become a conspiracy? I don't know. That's something we're going to get into in the next few episodes. Well, that is until I'm dragged away or cancelled for dissenting. But we think we think that um, as a society, we am. Um, sorry, that's the sound of me turning pages in the background. Um, I've been furiously writing notes and random words, associative associative word, uh, whatever you want to call it, malingering or something like this. So we've more or less thrown our chips in the you know chips down and gone right we all bet on Christmas as I said so parochial so Irish so reminiscent of something from another decade perhaps even another century and my cynical heart tells me that we will get small respite from this before kicking back into another lockdown and that this isn't going anywhere this isn't disappearing now, as I said, I'm going to get into some of the other reasons for that maybe in the next podcast, because there's some pretty serious stuff, I think, that we need to contemplate, to consider, to discuss. you know. And as I said, I'm willing, very willing to be wrong. I'm very willing to be called out by somebody saying, hey, you've been played by your algorithm. You've been played. I know I always mention this, and I must clear something up when I mean The algorithm, I don't just mean what's suggested to you on YouTube. It's my euphemistic way for explaining how we've been molded by modern digital society and moved into certain sectors, certain areas of thought, um, along with other people and how other people's digital imprint affects us. It's about our whole digital life of the last 10 years, every purchase that this algorithm understands every movement, every purchase, every flight taken, every post, every tweet, every photo on Instagram, all of the above, all correlated to make us arrive at this point within our gray matter, within our geographical position, where we are in society, where we are in culture, where we are positioned in every respect, however that's been influenced by the digital process that's what i'm trying to get at all of these things that's what i'm trying to get at this incredibly complex and nuanced place that we find ourselves because it is no it is very nuanced and nobody wants to suggest that but last last january last february we watched we watched images from wuhan from the province of people falling like zombies in the street. And yet on, yet in August, I watched it back three or four days ago, a huge pool party, DJs, people dancing. And I just thought to myself, wow, what a fuck you to the West that is. How incredible. How incredible. And again, in Ireland, this strange insular island mentality where nobody... In our mainstream media, we'll say, hey, do you think this is a bad idea? Maybe we should follow what Sweden are doing. Instead, we always get Madrid is moving towards lockdown, region of Italy. Nobody ever says Slovenia is going the other way. Slovakia is going the other way. Nobody wants to report on, hey, Switzerland are doing a different thing. Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia. What's happening in Finland? Oh, no real lockdown. Right. Not much of a news story, that, because it's not based in fear and consumption. And that is one of the most scary things within this as well. And that is again a complicit and failing mainstream media who it would seem to me just tow the party line and any dissent from that party line means you're going to end up being called alt-right, far-right, something on the right, uh, a Trump- just vaguely connected to something that's happening with Trump or whatever. Basically, it just means anybody I disagree with, but yet at the same time, I find the whole thing very puzzling because when did when did freedom and liberty become something that the left doesn't seem to really care about? And I use that again in a very particular sense. I'm talking about not, of course, the old left, which I consider myself to be schooled in or from, you know fair rent. health care housing, all those kind of things that anybody who grew up in in Ireland in the 70s and 80s would have um, cared about or at least known that their parents did. They were schooled within it, schooled within that thought. I suppose what you could call it the Instagram influencers of the this sort of new media left. Could we even call them champagne socialists, I wonder? Maybe we could. The Twitterati. I quite like that one. You can have that one. Who basically, I think it's a. I think it's more of a class thing. I think it's a general form of um, middle class elitism, which despises the working class. It views the people who come out to the protests here as grubby working class lads with Celtic football jerseys on, and you know the usual kind of, I suppose, coastal elite snobbery which, let's be honest, Dublin can represent, being the city on the east coast of the country with the biggest population, well, a third of the country, lives in and around the county of Dublin. So why is it that nobody in this mainstream media bubble uh, aren't willing to say, what about people's freedoms, instead of just, again, towing the party line about cases and this, that, the other? And I was listening to or watching a very interesting documentary about um, Richard Nixon. And it was just about the whole journalistic process that went into the Watergate scandal. And this old American journalist was commenting on it and he was musing over what, and I've done this before in the previous podcast, but what journalism meant then and now. And he basically said that once upon a time, journalists were blue collar workers. Um, They were from the people and their attitude was, I'm reporting on behalf of the people and I'm going to try and stick it to the man or at least question the man. They weren't part of the man. They were outside the tent trying to piss in as opposed to being inside the tent pissing out. And I think the last decade or so, journalists in many respects are, because they're also journalists, not journalists, but they're behind the rope now. They are see themselves in a class They see themselves in a classist way as being of the same class as politicians. And they generally despise, I think, the working class and their concerns. Hence why you have the rise of, for example, identity politics claiming most of modern leftism. Because these are academic middle class concerns for the most part. Um, For the most part. We can get into that in another podcast, but for the most part. Um, If you've got this far and disagree with me, that's all right. Feel free to disagree with me. But in Ireland, I think we have a class of this, of our very own, of journalists who are unwilling to dissent from the party line for fear of appearing to represent the people they've decided that they despise, i.e. the concerns of the working class. Anyway, so what brought this on I think, was that I felt I couldn't not do a podcast about this because I got so many messages and emails from people from around the world going, saying to me, my God, what's happening in Ireland? Is is, is it really what's happening in Ireland? Surely not. Because in their own media, in their own countries, it's been reported that Ireland has the strictest lockdown. And not always reported, as our media is saying, that it's a good thing many countries are reporting um, with an element of surprise and wonder and a sort of bemusement that it happens to be us, I suppose, as I said, the same way in that we were the first to uphold the smoking ban in Europe. And everybody went, wow, Irish people live in pubs, as my friend comedian Steve Hughes said. Us, shall we live in the pub? How are we going to stop smoking the pub? But We were the first. And then the Scottish, which is also somehow seems to be taking the piss. This is where this is what happened. And I will say that I am very happy to be wrong throughout all of this. I'm very happy if in Christmas or at Christmas, things have settled down and we start to move back down the numbers to one and to zero or whatever. I'm very happy to be, you know, for my family to you know, mock me, roundly mock me. But I have a feeling, just as I said to people in February, March, um, we're going nowhere. And I have a feeling the same people who I would love if they were able to mock me come next summer, as I said in the last podcast at a festival, come up to me with a beer and go, hey, listen to what you said in last October when you were in the midst of a crazy manic bunker-fueled rant about freedom. Um, Here we are, uh, having a beer in the beer garden and waiting to see, I don't know, Judas Priest play their 50th anniversary show. Maybe that will be true. But as I stated before, and I hate to be that guy, I think the party's over. Um, And I think that these lockdown measures are going to oscillate from one to five for the foreseeable future. Um, and I think that we're going to be handed a two and thank ourselves, lucky that we didn't go to a three and then a month later go back up to a four. And This is unfortunately where I see things going. And I'm pretty sure in January in Ireland I might be saying the exact same thing again. Let's just take a look at a few of those measures before I finish up with this little rant. But what people don't realize, as I said, is that, you know, if you've been to see a distanced show, a distanced gig in your country where you've been seated or you've gone to, let's say, a DJ night or where the capacity was 100 in a 600 venue or something like this. Bear in mind that in Ireland we've had nothing of that sort, not a thing, not even a hint of it. Our budget, of course, had provisions for art and tourism, but they're only dependent on Um, society opening back up. Kind of like saying to somebody you'll lend them 20 quid and then just keeping it in your pocket, you know. I don't think our government's going to have to deliver on that budget declaration, personally, because they're not going to open things up. So um, we've had no theatre, no comedy, no comedy shows, no theatre, no theatre on the street, no classical music or no... No attempt at a single thing outside to give people any form of normalcy. Um, Pubs are closed inside, 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 inside. They opened for a few weeks there, but only outside. So you had to sit outside and look Let's be honest. Alfresco isn't something Irish people do because it's windy and raining and cold. And they're not allowed to put the heaters on. So there's a couple of small areas in the city where people sit shivering, trying to have some area of normalcy. That's gone now. You have to declare, uh, I think, one other household bubble with which to share people. Um, So how does anybody meet anybody? How does anybody go on dates? Isn't lockdown an incredible contraceptive? Have you thought about it like that? Interesting, right? We may get into that. And so... There's a five kilometer radius, as I said, no complete ban on travel, like travel outside, like getting on a plane or something. But I wouldn't say we're far off that. And then, you know, we have people on the radio today discussing the fact that we don't have a curfew because we're not that kind of democracy, which is just some incredible stupidity to me um, to still consider that we are in. A functioning democracy. Yeah, we're a democracy in name, in nature. A traditional democracy. We, many people would see, went if I went outside now and managed to stop somebody scared at 10 p.m. wearing a mask, which is what people are doing in the cold and the rain, still wearing masks. Okay, your choice, no problem. Um, but if you were to do a little Vox Pop, Vox Populi of people, They would still consider Ireland, of course, a democracy. It doesn't change in seven months. But there's been no democratic decisions made on any of these conditions we live under. And the terms of our surviving right now are not democratic, at least as far as I can see. So, you know, I take issue with the word, the meaning of the word. But again, we'll see. Like I said, I'm super happy to be wrong and I don't want to see I don't want people to see this as a this podcast as an imprint of madness as a sign of my um, mental decline I'm not going to lie it's been pretty difficult freedom is not the default setting of society I know in a country like Ireland we think it is because as I said we've been free from communism, fascism etc but it isn't the default setting of society It can take a long time for people who've become accustomed to holding the reins of power to let go. Because what is the very nature of politics but the accumulation of power? And you're asking people to let go of the reins of power that they've instated laws beyond their wildest dreams of power. Um, This is more power than the state has ever had, if you consider it. They have now pretty much the control over every aspect of your lives. What this means essentially is that the state has control over your travel, who you can hang out with, who you socialize with, who you see. Let's be honest, your sex life. It has control over your entertainment, comedy, theater, music, whether you can gather. And yes, it's reviewing people's rights to gather and protest. It's telling you when you can and you can't send your kids to school. Um, They may shut down the schools again, and kids will have to be homeschooled or work through Zoom. Um, They're telling you whether you can travel five kilometers outside of your house, whether you can be present at your loved one's funeral, whether you have to be distanced when you marry. They are now in control of or have their fingers within every single aspect of society, everything if you think that that's normal and that's an everyday situation, an everyday occurrence, that the institutions of the state, the government of your country have their fingers in every single aspect of your life, please give me an example of when that ever ended well. Because I'd be very interested to know if there was an example from history where a government had that much reach into people's lives where it just ended well and everything was handed back and transferred as they left it and everybody walked away from the situation smiling and content now i'm being facetious but you understand what i mean that i don't think it ever ends well when there's that much power accumulated concentrated in so few people and so few institutions of the state take a little time open the door 10% to rational, critical thinking. And this is one of the things that I realize many people push back against me is because they, they feel they can't live their lives if they allow the door open to what they see as dark thoughts. I mean, look, that door has been kicked in for me for 20, 25 years. So all of this darkness is no surprise to me or no news to me. Wow, I sound like such a goth. You see my point which is if these authoritarian measures seem worrying to you, maybe you should be worried. Maybe you should be worried. Maybe you should take a little bit of time out to consider that next step from chaos, confusion, disorientation, amazement, and all of the other things that come with having to now deal with a new six-week lockdown and move the dial a tiny little bit, just one step to wondering about the very nature of these things. But you know what? I'm just a singer in a heavy metal band. Who knows, right? And like I said, I'm very, very happy to be wrong. My friends, I'm sorry if that all sounded manic and over the top. And if you're Irish and I've missed something out that you think I should have mentioned, well, goddamn sorry, that was one stream of consciousness with no edits for 50 minutes. And that sometimes is how it happens. And if you think I sound manic, it's because I kind of am. I kinda am. I will say Instagram nemthiang underscore primordial. Um, there will be a new Dread Sovereign album starting to be promoted in a month. That's the band where I play the bass and sing. So if you want to check that out, it's bandcamp.com forward slash Dread Sovereign. D R E A D S O V E R E I G N. The Dread Sovereign, as I think, I think in the Mayflower Edict they called James the First when. As the dread sovereign ruler, the feared ruler. At least that's how I understood it. Anyway, so very shortly there'll be a video for that coming out. And I'm going to stick a few songs maybe up at the end of a podcast. Does that work? Am I allowed to post my own songs? Or is there some form of copyright issue where I'm going to get sued for posting my own songs? It's possible. I guess we'll see. Well, that's if I'm not arrested by the state first. Ladies and germs... I thank you. I am Alan Averill, patreon.com forward slash Alan Averill with two A's. If you think I'm an idiot, you might be right. And I hope to be. Later. Metal never bends. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.